Praise God. Lord bless you. You may be seated. Thank God. God's so good to us. Amen. Not a one of us deserves it. Fortunately, he doesn't work on what we deserve. <laughs> we get a much better deal than that. Oh, yeah, we get a good deal. All right, let me have my title slide. Here's the deal. <laughs> Praise God. Now, we're all familiar with deals. We've got terminology. This is one of them. Here's the deal. You ever heard that in your negotiations? Now, here's the deal. Uh, somebody who is uh, involved in a lot of uh, commerce and so on, they're a wheeler dealer. They're wheeling and dealing. And we all have uh, knowledge uh, if you are... Uh, adult level and, and maybe sometimes even in elementary school, you have made at least verbal contracts of one kind or another. We've got uh, deals of this and deals of that. And sometimes they're just a handshake. I remember when my parents died uh, about 14 months apart and my brother and I had to go to Tennessee to uh, dispose of some property that they had there. They had about 35 acres in Tennessee. And, and uh, so we were there, a uh, real different situation. To, it's not quite as, as fast-paced in Moss, Tennessee, <laughs> as it is in Newark, Delaware. But we uh, got in touch with a, a, a fella who already owned property and and uh, negotiated with him, made uh, back and forth. And finally, we came to a, a, a number that we settled on. It's, it's set, here we are, this is, this is, we'll sell you this 35 acres, the, the house, uh, all of the things that are involved in this. There's a tenant in the house, this is what he pays. Uh, he's willing to stay here and pay this price. You need to uh, agree to that price. And when we got through with it, I shook hands with him and my brother shook hands with him. And we went to the bank. And we saw his, it was his bank, and we uh, met with his banker. And his banker, when we were introduced, he said, yeah, I heard you boys were in town but I hadn't seen you yet. Small town, obviously. And so we made the deal that we would uh, deposit after all of the legal technicalities had been taken care of for abstracting and uh, lawyer analyzing it and so on, that we would transfer, uh, he would make the payment uh, to us, and that then we would deliver a signed deed. I was the executor, so I could, and I needed to sign a deed before I left town. And we were not in, in uh, I don't believe we were in Moss at this time. I think we were over in a little place called Salina. It's bigger than Moss. Everything bigger than Moss. <laughs> 
and, and so we walked across the street to the other bank in town and went in there and said, can you help us out? We have made a, a deal with uh, Mr. So-and-so and he's going to pay money for this property. They're going to handle it all. And uh, we would like to leave a signed deed with you. And when the money comes in, we would like for you to deliver the deed to his bank and they will deliver it to him. And a nice young lady there was handling the transaction for us and she was talking about it. And, and uh, so when she found out what our name was, uh, Moss, you kin to the Mosses that were, that Moss, Tennessee was named after. She's Yes, and, and on and on, and asked, answered a few more questions, and come to find out, she was our cousin. <laughs> Probably 11 times removed, but was our cousin nonetheless. In fact, I think that the fellow we had dealt with at the other bank was also another, but anyhow. But you will notice, <clears throat> I did not tell you anything about signing a contract. We sold 35 acres of property in Moss, Tennessee without a signed contract. The bank did not require it. Neither bank required it. <laughs> that was the banker. <laughs> we just did the whole deal on a handshake. Now, here's the deal. <laughs> Genesis 12, 1. No, pardon me. Genesis 6, 17. Look, I am about to cover the earth with a flood that will destroy every living thing that breathes. Everything on earth will die. But I will confirm my deal with you. So enter the boat, you and your wife and your sons and their wives, and they were going to live. But here's the deal. God made a deal with Noah. Here's the deal. You get in the boat and I'll keep you alive. That's a pretty good deal. Now it got a little stinky in the boat, but that was better than being in the storm. Genesis 12 verse 1. A lot of scripture this morning. This is scripture, church, isn't it? <laughs> and the Lord said to Abram, leave your native country, your relatives, and your father's family, and, I, and go to the land that I will show you. I will make you a great nation. I will bless you and make you famous, and you will be a blessing to others. I will bless those who bless you. 
and curse those who treat you with contempt. All the families on earth will be blessed through you. What a deal. Leave where you are and I'll give you all of this for ages of your descendants. My, what a deal. What a deal. Exodus chapter number 2, verse 24. Oh, we'll be running the aisles on this one. I can tell, tell, or you tell. <laughs> God heard their groaning. The children of Israel were in Egypt in bondage. And he remembered his deal. The covenant promise to Abraham and Isaac and Jacob. Folks, this deal doesn't have an expiration date on it. Hundreds of years later, now, now history's a funny thing. There are a lot of folks in here that you've studied some history. Uh, some of you have studied about the Vietnam War. Some of you studied about this. Uh, that we've got we've got people here that the only way that they will know about 9-11-2001 is through history. There are some of us here that lived it. You folks here in this area, even closer than we were in Oklahoma at that time. Vietnam. I remember Vietnam. I remember the little letter I got that said, greetings. And there are some that have come to the idea of, of history that, well, that's old, that, that doesn't apply anymore, it's past, it, it's just a, old documents. It, some folks are as, as naive as the, the couple that were touring in England, and they came to a certain place, and they, they said, this is where uh, the king signed the Magna Carta. And the, the, obviously an American said, when did that happen? And the tour guide said, well, it was 1215. He looked at his watch and said, oh, we just missed it. <laughs> but history is not that way to God. And his deals are not that way. I remember the covenant. I remember the deal I made with Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. I remember what I have promised them. And I'm going to hold up my part of the bargain. Then in Exodus 19, he had delivered them. They were now uh, at uh, the... Uh, mountain, and the Lord spoke, now if you will obey me and keep my covenant, keep my deal. I'm presenting you a deal here. 
you will be my own special treasure from among all the peoples on earth. For all the earth belongs to me. And you will be my kingdom of priests, my holy nation. This is the message you must give to the people of Israel. Is this Moses, you're a mediator here. You're standing between, you're the, you're the agent. I want you to go down and present the things of this deal, because here's the deal. If you'll walk with me, if you'll keep my commandments, I will bless you. I'll make you a kingdom of priests. I'll make you a holy nation. I'll make you what I want you to be. I'll bless you in ways you can't even imagine. Then summing it up in Deuteronomy chapter 4 and uh, verse 13, he said, He proclaimed his covenant. You got it there? Okay, I'm just going to read it. He proclaimed his covenant, the Ten Commandments, which he commanded you to keep. That is the core of the covenant that God made with the house of Israel. Keep my commandments. It was at that uh, which he commanded you to keep and which he wrote on two stone tables. It was at that time that the Lord commanded me to teach you his decrees and regulations so you would obey them in the Lord. You are about, or in the land that you are about to enter and occupy. God made a deal with Israel. God made a deal with the nation. God made a deal, and he kept his part of the deal. And as long as Israel kept their part of the deal, they were blessed. They were uh, able to overcome their enemies. Uh, the things that were against them, they, they were coming uh, come against them, and then they would be defeated, sometimes miraculously. Sometimes you could see it coming, but other times you couldn't understand. How are we ever going to get out of this? I'll tell you how he's going to get out. We got a deal. Doesn't matter how difficult it is. We've got a deal. And we skipped over to the New Testament for a moment. In uh, Romans 11 and 27, and this is my covenant with them that I will take away their sins. Hallelujah. Hey, you talk about a deal. It's well with my soul. We didn't, we didn't collude on that, but oh, oh, what a glorious thought that my sins, not in part, but the whole, have been nailed to the cross. That's part of the deal. That's part of the deal. Praise God. I got a deal. Whew. Jeremiah said it in Jeremiah chapter 31, beginning with verse number 31. The day's coming, says the Lord, when I'll make a, a new deal with the people of Israel and Judah. Make a new covenant. 
That's what, a, that's what a covenant is. It's a deal. Covenants are not unilateral. They're, they're, they're bilateral. There's things on both sides of them. Two parties. I, I'm going to make a covenant, and this covenant will not be like the one that I made with their ancestors back there at Sinai when I took them by the hand and brought them out of the land of Egypt. They broke that covenant. Though I love them as a husband loves his wife, says the Lord. Verse 33, but this is the new deal. Franklin Roosevelt didn't know anything about this one. But this is the real new deal. I will make with the people in, of Israel in that day, says the Lord, I will not write everything on tablets of stone and they put it in a golden box. And then don't do it. They broke that. When I did it that way, they broke that deal. I'll put my instructions within them. I will write them on their hearts. I will be their God. And they will be my What a deal. Here's the deal. Praise God. And they will not need to teach their neighbors, nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord. See, back under the old deal, they didn't have what we have. They didn't have in the same way God living within them to illuminate, to bring things to their remembrance, to, to guide them like he can and does us today. They had a, they had a covenant light less than the full strength. But what God has given us is not something where we, we have to be taught every little bit of it like they did. When you get in on this deal, you get your own copy. And you don't put it in a safe deposit box. You put it someplace safer than that. And when it's necessary, you don't have to go and find somebody with the other key to get it open where you can see what it says. It's right there. It's accessible. It'll help you to understand things in a way you couldn't have thought of understanding it. That word becomes alive. 
that book, that app on your phone is entirely new. Praise God. Hallelujah. This is the deal. This is it. I'm not just giving you a bunch of rules and regulations for you to remember and, and, and try to, to do them all. I'm going to not only tell you what to do, I'm going to be in you to help you do it. What a deal. Let me in on that deal. This was not a scam. <laughs> Amen. No Nigerian prince involved in this one. It's not something something bigger uh, and better in, in your Medicare. Uh, <laughs> you know I have three grandsons. I believe the count is now up to 19 of my grandsons have called me from jail with a broken nose. <laughs> and sometimes, while two of them were back in the room in my house, <laughs> a few feet away from where I was taking the call, and I know that Vincent's not in jail somewhere. <laughs> This is a deal, folks. I will make it where you don't have to pound it into their heads. It's not a matter just, hear that word, just of education. Oh, yeah, the, the church is the the longest-running educational institution in the world. But it's not just education. We're not depending on education. Oh, yeah, we've got, we've got teachers. But the teachers are more or less for fine-tuning some of this stuff. And then the finest tuning comes from the real teacher. I'll put my instructions within them. You should know the Lord. Everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already. If you get in on this deal, you know the Lord. You got your own copy. You got your own experience. That's the deal. That this is not secondhand for anyone. We're not operating on grandma's religion. Hey, by the way, my grandma didn't have it right, either one of them. You'll know me already, says the Lord. I'll forgive their wickedness, and I'll never again remember their sins. Wouldn't it be great? <laughs> Wouldn't it be great to go into an argument fresh? with no history, especially if you're wrong. <laughs> yeah. 
And that's how we always argue with the Lord. We're wrong. Let's go to uh, uh, the book of uh, Hebrews where the Lord talks about this. Chapter 8. Today, the, the writer of the book of Hebrews is, is reporting, today's coming, says the Lord, when I'll make a new covenant with the people of Israel and Judah. I think that sounds familiar because that's what was in Jeremiah. So this is New Testament telling us about the Old Testament, which was telling us about the New Testament. It was prophesied back there. It came to pass in the New Testament, and then in the New Testament they wrote about what had been prophesied about what was coming in. You, you get the, It's a circle. I'll make a new covenant. That day is coming, says the Lord, when I'll make a new covenant, new deal with the people of Israel and Judah. This covenant will not be like the one I made with their ancestors when I took them by the hand. Is there an echo in here? I'm not talking about the sound system. I'm talking about this scripture. I'm not going to make the same kind of deal I made with them back there. They did not remain faithful to my covenant, so I turned my back on them, says the Lord. If you don't keep your part of the covenant, the deal, then the other party is not obligated to keep the part of the covenant that was dependent upon what you were going to do. But this is the new covenant that I will make with the people of Israel on that day, says the Lord. I'll put my laws in their minds, write them in their hearts. I will be their God. They will be my people. And then uh, they will not need to teach their neighbors. Yeah, this, this sounds familiar. Nor will they need to teach their relatives, saying, you should know the Lord. For everyone from the least to the greatest will know me already. And I will forgive their wickedness, and I will never remember their sins, and never again remember their sins. When the Lord speaks of a new deal, as he did in the days of Jeremiah. It means that he has made the first one obsolete and is now out of date. This one did have an expiration date because they didn't keep it. And because it's obsolete, it will soon disappear. Then in Hebrews 10, 16, this is the new deal that I will make with my people on that day, says the Lord. I'll put my laws in their hearts. I'll write them on their minds. Well, Brother Moss, you're going over the same thing over and over again. Yeah, we need to get all the fine print in the contract. We need to make sure what we're what we're signing up for. Now, I don't know how many of you have gotten into contracts and somewhere down the road in the midst of that contract, 
you found out that you missed something. Now, the other party in this contract is not out to get you, except for good. Can I tell you that he'll never ask you to give up something that's good for you? Can I read that subparagraph that for everything you give up, for his sake, he'll replace it 30, 60, 100 times more. What a deal. What a deal. Romans 12, 1, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, I'm going to spend quite a bit of time here. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God. I believe this is the King, King James, no, this, yeah, this King James Version. By the mercies of God that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Some folks say it's, it's unreasonable, it's too hard. Ask too much to live for God. Well, that's not the lawyer's. Uh, Paul was a lawyer, you know. Pharisee, spent his days studying the law. This lawyer looked at the contract and he said, This is reasonable. This is not asking too much. This is your reasonable service. Then the next verse says, and be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Some deals have a non-compete clause in them. We hire you. You work for us, then when you are no longer employed here, you don't go and start a competing business. My father worked for Shell Oil Company. He was a pumper. I don't know what all else he did with them. Uh, I remember going with him sometimes on Saturdays when I was a a little boy, and I would go with him as we would climb to the top of those storage tanks, and he'd get a sample out, and he'd run it through a centrifuge and all of the measure and make reports and all that kind of stuff. And uh, on the, sometimes on the weekends, he would work at uh, as a welder at a, uh, a small company there in, in Monahan's. Uh, for Herman Pierce. Now, I was, I was mid-teens before I found out his name was Herman. Uh, he was, he was a, a short man, and he was about as wide as he was tall. 
And so everybody in town knew him as Fat Pierce. And so uh, my dad worked there, and that was where I first, I started working there when I was 10 years old. In fact, did my first welding job when I was 10. It was a mess. I remember the tension around the house. You think maybe your kids are not picking up on tension? I picked up on the tension. I wasn't sure of exactly what was what was going on, but there was there was some intense tension in our home. While my parents were they weren't arguing, they weren't fussing, they they were you could just tell that they were involved in something that was important and they didn't know what to do. And I found out later that it was about my dad quitting his job with Shell Oil Company and buying into this welding business. And uh, when I was 13, after, my, after he had bought into the business and they were going to put up a new shop, my dad came to me with a, with a problem and I helped design the shop that they constructed. We used that for three different buildings in, in Monahans, one of them for the county. And so at 10, I did my first welding job at 13. I helped design a building to, to do welding in. But Shell Oil Company had a part of their contract of employment that if you worked for them, and you left, you could not work for a company or you could not have a company that they would employ for five years. So if he had left Shell and started Moss Welding, it would have been five years before he could have struck an arc for Shell Oil Company, and that was one of their major customers. So for five years, it remained Pierce Welding Company. But I think after five years and one day, somebody repainted the sign. And it became Pierce and Moss Welding Company. There are rules. Every contract has rules. And the rule of this contract is not a non-compete. It's not a five-year waiting period. It's you can't be like the world. Be not conformed to the world. Let's look at this in the New Living Translation. And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he has done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't 
copy the behavior and customs of this world. And now you know why that was in yellow in the other scripture. But let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you. There's that written in the heart, written in the mind, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Weymouth translation, New Testament in modern speech. I plead with you, therefore, brethren, by the compassions of God, to present all your faculties to him as a living and holy sacrifice acceptable to him. This with you will be an act of reasonable worship. And do not follow the customs of this present age, but be transformed by the entire renewal of your minds so that you may learn by experience what God's will is, that will which is good and beautiful and perfect. Let me break in here with Exodus 32 and verse 2, or 23 and 2. Part of the law, part of that first deal was you should not follow a multitude to do evil. Oh, pardon me, that's King James. You must not follow the crowd in doing wrong. Well, everybody's doing it. That's a good reason not to. Back to Romans, American Standard Version. And be not fashioned according to this world, but be transformed by the renewal of your mind that you may prove what is that good, acceptable, perfect will of God. Something's got to change. Something's got to be different. And the beautiful thing is about this is that it's provided for in the contract. You can have the Holy Ghost. Folks get all, all upset about, well, do I have to speak in tongues? Forget about speaking in tongues. Get the Holy Ghost, you'll speak in tongues. We're not seeking tongues. We're seeking God. That's the deal. Forget the peripheries. Forget the, the, uh, the things on the, on the outside. Forget the things that just come with it. There's some things that are wrapped up in this that, that they just come with it, but they're not the deal. Living Bible says, Romans 12, 2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world but be a new and different person with a fresh newness in all you do and think. The real battlefield is right behind your eyes and between your ears. That's got to be, that's got to be changed. One of my favorite Translations of this. 
particular scripture is from the Phillips translation. I forget the exact title of it, something, but, but he says, with eyes wide open to the mercies of God. I beg you, my brothers, as an act of intelligent worship, May I repeat what I have said sometimes before? You don't have to check your brain at the door to live for God. In fact, it's much better if you don't. It's an, an act of intelligent worship to give your bodies as a living sacrifice consecrated to him and acceptable by him. Don't let the world around you squeeze you into its own mold. See why it's one of my favorite translations? But let God remold your minds from within so that you may prove in practice that the plan of God is good. It meets all his demands and moves you toward the goal of true maturity. Here's the deal. You can't pass up this deal. This is, in general, not a limited time offer. This is not a timeshare where you got to get it right now or you're going to lose that. This is not the Labor Day sale. And around Thanksgiving, they're still doing the Labor Day sale. No, this is a deal. This is a deal really, really. I've made some jokes and said some funny things, but this is a deal you can't pass up. You can't afford to pass it up. I've made good deals. I've made bad deals. I've been in real estate. I've been in business. I've made money. I've lost money. The important thing was that I got to give money. Did you catch that? But here's the deal. You give God your old, ragged, dirty garments of your history, of your life, of your sin. That's called repentance. God, I'm sorry. I don't want to do this. I don't want to live this way anymore. I'm not going to. I'm not going to put up with this anymore. You've called me to something better than this. God, I'm going to give it all to you. Forgive me, Lord. I've been a mess. I've been a, I've been a problem. I've been a... Give him your list. And if you get, forget something, he knows what's on there anyhow. And really... I understand some symbology, symbolism. But I'm just going to be I'm going to be straight with you. I don't understand everything that happens in baptism. I haven't figured all that out yet. But it's part of the deal. 
I don't know how, have you ever been in a deal where they asked for some, something that didn't make any sense to you, but they wanted it? So you make it part of the deal. And part of this deal is to be baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ for the remission of your sins. Now, I understand parts of that. I understand some of it. I don't know how it works. I just know it works. I know that, that whether you, you don't have to have it figured out. I use the illustration. I really don't understand electricity. And let me tell you a little secret, as my mother would say, another little line under that, electrical engineers don't understand electricity either. They can work with it. They figured out how, how it works and what it'll do. But when it comes to understanding what it really is and how it really works, they got some theories. And the theories may be right, but the thing about science is that the theories are always changing. That's why I, I guess Paul used the term science so-called, because science means to know. And they don't know. So I'm going, to, I'm going to be right up front with you in this deal that I'm talking to you about this morning. There are things about baptism. There are things about coming to repent and telling God I'm sorry. I don't understand how that works. I don't understand how, the, how, the, how my arrogance, how my violence, how all of those, my, my greediness, all of those things... That, I, that were part of me. They were me when I came to the altar. My stubbornness, my rebellion. And I say, I'm sorry. And I get a bad bath because there was no soap. But oh, what a difference. Here's the deal. It works. And then open yourself up. And, and, and baptism and Holy Ghost, they're kind of interchangeable. I got the Holy Ghost first. Other folks get baptized first. I've got scripture that it doesn't matter which is first. You still fulfill the terms of the deal. But you open up and worship him. Just let him have it all. And he'll fill you with his spirit. And when you are initially filled with his spirit, you'll speak in tongues and it won't be a strain. I remember Sister Gay Keen. First one to get the Holy Ghost in Bartlesville. This was two years in. Brother Beardsley thought he was not being a success when they had, you had just a few, a couple of dozen or so in that first year get the Holy Ghost. I was two years before the first one got the Holy Ghost. And she, we had had a service, I think it was Sister Moss and me, and maybe just her. I may have been somebody else there, but I, I really don't remember. And we had some, in the back of the church, we had some tracks. And so we were going to show her, you know, give her an option so she could get the tracks and learn and read and find out a little bit more. And 
got back there and the, the spirit of the Lord just was still moving from our tremendous <laughs> the service that we just had. Three or four of us or however many it was. I, I, I told her something along the line of, you can get the Holy Ghost. She said, how? And I was just wide-eyed. How? She'd already been at the altar and prayed. I, had, I don't know if she'd been baptized yet. But I said, just lift up your hands and worship God. And so she, she just threw her hands up and started worshiping God. And I laid hands on her head and began to pray for her. And she started, she got the Holy Ghost. And she started speaking in tongues. We took her home, speaking in tongues. Up the stairs, speaking in tongues. Knocked on the door to get her husband to come open the door. And she was speaking in tongues. She didn't stop speaking in tongues till sometime the next afternoon. Not because she was speaking in tongues, because she got loaded with the Spirit. Here's the deal. Here's the deal. This can be yours. This deal's not closed off because of time. It's still wide open. If you're here without His Spirit... You can have it today. He's ready to close the deal. And you can have it. You can be part of this deal. What a deal it is. I bought a house one time. It was a mess. But that house is still paying off today. There's a termination on it, and it's not going to pay off anymore after a while. But this is going to pay off for eternity and if you need what I'm talking about this morning or if somehow you found yourself in Israel's shoes and you've broken the covenant you've not kept your end of it you can renew it right here right now Here's the deal. As we stand, I'm telling you, this is the deal of more than a lifetime. This is the deal that will make everything else worthwhile.
Brother Moss, you, you preach an evangelistic. That's, that's, that's what I was commissioned to do. Here's the deal. And this deal is open to you this morning. In this altar area, in your seat where you are, if you'll meet the conditions, you can have the benefits of the deal. Altar's open. Let's talk to the Lord. Dear Jesus, God, we've wandered so far. We've been so wrapped up in our own doings. Oh, God. God, get hold of somebody's heart. Draw, draw them today. We're not talking scary stories. We're talking your love for us. Oh, God, somebody's wandered. Oh, God. He loves you. He loves you. He wants you in on the deal. He's already signed it in his own blood. Just waiting. Just waiting for you.
the Lord loves you. I've heard people make fun of that. I don't think they're very wise to make fun of that, to make light of it. Because that's the reason the deal's on the table. Because he loves you. Praise God. And the thing is, he'll love you outside this building. If you need something from God, Howard Goss, one of the main springs of the apostolic movement in the early 20th century, got the Holy Ghost on a speeding train. I knew a man in Tulsa that got the Holy Ghost on his riding lawnmower. It's a little dangerous, but one guy got it driving his pickup down the street. God loves you. He'll meet you where you are. And that's a deal. Let's stand, let's worship him as we're dismissed this morning. God bless you all. Walk with him. Keep, keep your part of the deal. Keep it. <laughs>